Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to True Podcast. We're back, dude. It's been a whole year waiting for True Detective Season 2 to finally come to fruition, and here we are. United and it feels so good. Uh, you know, all year round, you know, we were trying to avoid spoilers. I, I was looking at a lot of pictures, but you, you, you said to me, you were like, look, man, I'm, I'm not going di- to dive into this. I like to keep it dark. So, True Detective Season 2 premiered on HBO last Sunday, and automatically from the get-go, I was mesmerized by the opening credits. Additionally, I was as well. However, I have a kooky, zany, crazy story about how I finally got to view it that I'll follow up with later. But yeah, I heard that song and, uh, never mind blew me away i was like yes and i love how it like it has the same imagery of true detective season one's opening credits the images of landscapes and pictures of society merged into the characters faces it's just it, it works it's creepy it's moody it's everything we want in a tv show it is moody and uh the mood was uh you know uh red it was uh blood it was uh you know different from yellow and uh, dust and uh <laughs> Neo Noir, L.A. All the way. Super crazy, yeah. Out of control. Um, just total neon, dark dream nightmare. Dark dream nightmare, definitely. Uh, the first character that we meet is Colin Farrell's character, uh, Detective Raymond Ray Velcuro. Yeah, it sounds like he's going to be the one who keeps it all together. Is he going to be our version of Rust this year? Let's dial it back. Versions... I don't think are necessarily going to be... That's what the critics are looking for. They're looking for versions of what was last year. I went into it like a baby, you know? What'd you, what'd you think? I, I, lo- I mean, I've always enjoyed Colin Farrell's acting. I, I've never seen him in something that I completely loved. He was pretty good in Mi- Minority Report. He was the bad guy, I think, in the Tom Cruise film. But for this mm. specific role, like him starting off in the car with his son, who may or may not be a son, because we learned that his wife was raped... And this boy may or not be, they may not be connected paternally, but he wants to take care of him. You know, he's like, I like when he's like, proud, stay proud, son. Keep your, keep your chin up. Chin up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I never, ever liked Colin Farrell as an actor in anything. I can't name one movie I liked him in or one performance he's given. However, I was immediately won over in that car scene when he uh, asked his son how he uh, liked his new kicks. Yeah, so uh, as we know here on the Bobcast, Mickey has a true obsession with shoes. <laughs> uh, the LeBrons, and the LeBrons become a plot point. We'll talk about that later. But uh, yeah, right off the bat, I'm completely engulfed by the character. I was just like, all right, this is my guy. I like this guy. Then we meet Rachel McAdams' character, Detective uh, Annie Bezrides. It's a weird last name. 
You know, I feel like... Bezerides? The, the names kind of are not symbolic, but they're like words in themselves that are like meaning, you know? Uh, even though I just denied, comparing it to last year, rust, coal. Yeah, what you know, is that? It was like rusty, it was cold. You know, it was a word, but it was a name. And uh, Marty Hart, it was like the underlying beat of the show, you know? So, Annie... Benzedrine, it's like a drug or mm -hmm. some, something. And Vicoro, he's like the Velcro that holds it all together. It's like a play on words, but a name. Yeah. So we meet her, and she's uh, barreling out of a bedroom with the young Boo, who's uh, mm -hmm. not into the sexual preferences she is, let's say. Yeah, and uh, that was uh, last year on the True Detective season one. There was a lot of uproar that there wasn't any strong female characters. Uh, our writer, Nick Pizzolato, comes right out of the gate with this chick who's in control of the whole situation. <laughs> yeah, and her man can't stand up. He's uh, quickly emasculated. Like, whew. Yeah, he's just not, not doing it for her. And she's basically like, look, I've got to go to work. She works for the CID, and she's on a raid, and we find out this raid was all, I guess, part of a, uh, some sort of ploy to get in there to get her sister. Her sister's into, I guess, uh, webcams. Her sister was into drugs, is into sexuality. I don't, I didn't get that her sister, she knew her sister was involved. Uh, she said she went on a rumor to yeah. this house, and it turns out the house was fully legit. Webcam businesses, all the girls were American, licensed. Yeah, I like that scene where she's like, say I am American. <laughs> and they're like, I am an American, I am an American. But yeah, like right off the bat, strong female presence, you know? Yeah, she ended up with egg on her face. Uh, none of the charges stuck, and the guy's still making videos at uh, www.boyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoyoy
for pulling over some sort of celebrity chick who's high on something, and she um, reputes the fact that she think she says that he. How did that go again? Uh, she accuses him of soliciting her for a fellatio to get out of the uh, speeding ticket or reckless driving, or whatever it was. Love it. Then we find out about the first mysterious thing, which is kind of like the Yellow King, the whoa, Black whoa, whoa. Mountain. The Black Mountain. Yeah, remember he when he's getting suspended in the office. You know, he's like, all right, I, I, I want to be back on the bike on the highways where I'm at. And then as he's walking out the door, he's like, Black Mountain, we were serving America. Yeah, wasn't that a call to the um, uh, the military service for hire out in Iraq? Maybe. What, are they, what, what were they called? It was like what, Black the, something. Black Ops. No, not Black Ops. Who knows? But I think I, I, fig- I figured that the Black Mountain will play into the true Detective Season 2 mythology. Yeah, because that's where he got his Yellow King, or uh, I'm sorry, what was the guy's name? The the, the Paul? No, the the killer from season one. Oh, uh, <laughs> like Ernest? Or um, something? no, no. Uh, hold on a sec here. We will have to come back to it. Let me think. Ah, oh, man, I'm drawing a blank here. He was so good too, man. Like that was such a, a strong, strong character. Well, he was introduced as the man with the scars. Man with the scars. Was uh, Errol Childress? Yes, Errol Childress, played by um, Glenn Fischler, Fleshler, who was awesome. Reggie Ledoux, Reggie motherfucking Ledoux. Season one, though, uh, it's hard, I can't hard wait to, till it, episode it's, five. It's hard, yeah, right, it's hard to think that this will be better. But you know, as we're diving deep into this, I really think it's got some potential. Um, once we meet all of our characters, we find out who the criminal case is going to be built around, who the murderer is involving and it's a character named Casper uh, a man who's dead in the back seat wearing a pair of shades with some cuts on his forehead and in the front seat of the car is a black Maltese falcon it appears to be dead and someone's driving the car we don't know they pull onto the highway but it's a statue no it, it looked like a real bird dude really it looked like a real bird I thought it, the Maltese Falcon is like Look, a historical. It's a historical like, thing. At first, I thought it kinda. was. I thought it was like kind of like the Godfather with like the dead horse in there. But then we find out later in the episode that this guy Casper died from wounds to the pelvis. So the Maltese <laughs> Falcon, whatever the bird is, wounds. the bird pecked his pecker to death. <laughs> right, Nick. Nick, you are just the man. Yeah, so uh, dark, dude. I'm gonna so take dark. a second here to just talk about the critics who are thrashing the show and giving the most scathing reviews and give them a big fuck you because this show is great and there's so many threads being woven right in front of our face and they take these petty jabs at everything cool that there is and they completely ignore all the true cool stuff that is really going on all the true clues that are coming out in the show as well uh, so many, so much different imagery too. Like was a big part of season one, the yellow um, color. It's 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 prominent in this. Um, some of the characters who are played by um, there's a Russian character wearing a yellow tie who seems to be very much an antagonist in the film. There's but a yellow fire hydrant. There's a yellow fire hydrant, and there's also the scene where we go to Casper's house, where Velcro, our uh, main character here, goes in with his bumbling uh, co-detective, his partner. And they discover a whole apartment devoted towards nothing but sexual imagery. Uh, There's some beautiful paintings in there, though. It's just like psychedelic sexual gratification. And then it's uh, littered with, you know, uh, sex toys. Mm -hmm. And I think our first image of something truly, truly true 
is at the front door when he walks in and he sees a bowl full of milk with what appears to be an amputee naked woman. Yeah, but it's like this like real life yeah. woman. It's just so bizarre. And he asks his partner if he saw it. And the partner doesn't even respond. He does go over and look in the bowl, but there's yeah. no response. Yeah, it's just really like completely intriguing. creepy. Completely yeah. creepy. I rewound and, it a couple times. I was like, "Oh what yeah, the devil." Yeah. And then they go through the apartment. We find a whole bunch of sex toys. We find paintings. But then, for me, the big thing, the skeleton with the yellow crown, the yellow king at the desk. Maybe that signified the death of season one, being like, Could. "There's no more yellow Could. king." But I'm putting out here on true Bobcast. True. Is the Yellow King Syndicate, if you will, this underbellow like type of organization of people who are just sick expanding throughout? Like, are they like this like regime of people who just like inflict pure terror on uh, society? I mean, I, I love it. I love the idea that that that's the imagery is still there. Yeah, it totally is. But we're also being introduced to new people up to newer no good, and. Um, the money is involved heavily in this one. It's not so much it's all about, about religion. Money. It's not about the you know faith. It's about money and land and this and that. And it's just, oh uh, look, it's billed as Colin Farrell, Vince Vaughn, but there's really three true detectives in this show: uh, Velcro, um, Paul Byzantine, and um, Bizratis. Woodruff. <laughs> Whatever. Bizratis. Woodruff. It's yeah. rough being a man. He can't get it up. Woodruff. Oh God, man, he needs the Viagra in the bathroom with the shower running. Man, that's the, I mean, talk about characterization. You know the guy's troubled. Just to look at him, when the way he looks in the frame, he just looks so upset. But you touched on something there we should talk about. Okay, so this this season is all about transportation. It's all about land. It's all about building stuff. It starts off with those little markers in the ground that I guess that signifies people dying for you know property. Vince Vaughn's character is trying to build some sort of what super train that goes all the way up and down the coast. Right now, you and I have traveled from Los Angeles up into like the San Francisco area. It takes about six hours. Mm -hmm. So what Vince Vaughn's trying to do is he's trying to make, you know, San Francisco to LA in what, 45 minutes. Tight. And uh, there's a lot of money building around this. There's a lot of people looking to invest. They don't want to invest no more because Casper is missing. Yeah, it was on the night of Casper's, uh, uh, you know, unveiling of this whole entire plan, you know, which Vince Vaughn had to step in and take the reins and introduce the entire plan himself, which led to these backers not really uh, wanting to be in on it. But there's so many questions. It's like, did Vince Vaughn take the guy out? Did the guy get taken out? Who's to blame? Who benefits? Qui bono? Who knows? Yo. Yeah, it's true. I mean, well, Vince Vaughn does show a little bit of emotion. Let's talk about Vince Vaughn's wife. Ooh, she Dude, is. she is powerful, isn't she? Yeah, she's like, she's everybody like gets touched. Yeah, yeah. I like when Vince Vaughn also says to his like right-hand man or whatever, he's like, you know, it concerns me that you're not more concerned about it. I, I, I love the dialogue. The he's dialogue's like, so fresh. He's like, it's built on a codependency of interests. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Now, what did he say or something? But that girl, man, she always, I don't know what, what her name is, but she's always playing somebody who's just like evil, man. You know, like she's so evil, like with the whole, you know what I mean? Like, it's just dark. Yeah, she's definitely a background, a uh, strong background character. Mm-hmm. And, like, the way he hugs her in one moment and, like, her dialogue, it's just, like, is she the one who's making them try to go to legit? Is he her puppet? Is All mm-hmm. I have is questions. And I'm interested to see which ones will and will not be answered throughout the remainder. I love Vince Vaughn's uh, house. Oh, my God, beautiful. God, the, the, the architecture inside of it with so those types good. of – I love those sinks that are, like, you know, like – 
raised up. Recessed at the same time. So yeah, like we got the whole picture now. We know what's going on. We know that there's a, a murder, a, a disappearance of a prominent man in the city of Vince, Vinci, Vinci, Vinci. Okay, so so Vin, Vinci. I always thought when I heard that they were going to do California, I thought that this town that it was like more like kind of like uh, Bakersfield, but it's right. pretty close to Los Angeles. It's kind of like where we used to live. Yeah, it's more out Vinci. by the. It's out by the airport. It's not like they're not going to be like. I don't think there's going to be a lot of like. Crips and Bloods coming in the picture. There might be some here. Well, I'm sure there'll be some, you know? Yeah, who but, knows what will um, happen. That's a good point, yeah. Uh, it's more like industrial town. Yeah, it's by the oil. It's by the energy. It's by the money. It's mm-hmm. by this and that. And, like, you know, I guess the differences are, like, the money runs the energy out in uh, L.A. versus last year, uh, you know, the, the authorities and the um, uh, religion ruled the, the Louisiana South. So then we go back to Velcro, and uh, Velcro is uh, – there's a newspaper report that's been put out, and it's talking about the town of Vinci and, like, all the corrupt things that are going on. People are upset about that. Uh, we, we learn quickly that Colin Farrell's character is corrupt. Oh, yeah. You know, he's working Big for – time. The scene, though, that I love, though, is when, you know, like, he's like, what do you want from me? He's like, maybe nothing. Maybe we'll talk someday. And they definitely do talk because he is Frank's right-hand man. He goes into this apartment and he puts on that mask, man. And he looks at oh. the homeless guy. And he says, Shh. You mean the crackhead? The, the crackhead, crackhead? Yeah, yeah. Which is a callback to the fact that a methamphetamine freak is the alleged rapist of his wife. True. I didn't even think of that. True. There's so many s- truths. Mm-hmm. You know? So Colin Farrell goes in there. I love the fact that the camera stays outside and you just see people getting rough. the guy getting roughed up. Oh, there. yeah. Does blood splatter through the... The, uh, um, I don't think so, but you see, like, the, the blinds get, the like, blinds. pushed up. I think up. blood yeah. splatters a little bit through the blinds. Maybe, yeah. So, like, you know, Velcro does this thing there, takes care of it. I guess he gets all the information. Later, he gives it back to Frank. At the same time, we're also thrust into this other world of Bezrati's or whatever her name is, Ani. Oh, so and good. we go to what uh, I guess would be uh, a meditation pen- camp. The pedemimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimim
Warner Brothers, Fukunaya. Uh, Antoine, Antoine Fukunaya. Yeah. Uh, this dude, yeah, he crushed it. Uh, yeah. This guy, the guy that directed this episode is Justin Lin, who did the Fast and Furious and uh, some of the Saw movies. Oh, okay. That explains <laughs> why that uh, car chase scene was so perfect. It looked yeah. so good. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was playing Grand Theft Auto Five again. We also get him back this Sunday for uh, True Detective Season 2, Episode 2. But uh, wait, they have different directors? It's yeah, not it's the not the same. One? It's only two episodes by Justin. Tell Lin. me, it's three directors. I think it's three. I'm not sure. I can tell never you. Right. Actually, mind. never mind. Never mind. I don't know. We'll find out. But um, part of a show that I love. About 30, 40 minutes into the film, we go back to Velcro. Velcro starts to go off the deep end. He gets a little drunk. He likes to slam scotch in the car. Uh, whiskey. Yeah. He's just putting it down. Yep. Uh, he goes to the school of his supposed son. We meet his son's, I guess, stepdad. Right. And, uh, you know, he brings him a camping thing. Obviously, he's too drunk to realize that the camping trip was last weekend. And then the shoes come back into play in the plot, the LeBrons. The Nikes or the LeBrons or whatever. Yeah. The LeBrons have been taken from his boy, taken out of a locker. What do you do, shitting him? Apparently ripped around. So, you know, it, it, it's just insane what happens next he he grabs his son and he gets really really upset and pulls him close and says tell me who did this tell me who did this and he's, he's like i'm gonna count and the first finger he puts up is the thumb one two three aspen aspen he like puts out the name real quick he's like aspen what kind of name is that <laughs> and like the stepdad is just losing it oh man look dude. I, I gotta even say even you saying that it's like it's kind of like getting meta where like nick the writer is addressing the critics and addressing the ideas like he's making fun of someone's name he's he's making a, a thing about a play on a kid's name Aspen later Velcro goes on to call him Aspen he really emphasizes it and it's like a you know Velcro like you're mm-hmm. holding it to, like hold it together Velcro holding it all together here on the Bobcast true Let's take a quick commercial break and listen to a brand new song from Pocket Dial what, what track you want to hear I'll give you the reins <laughs> I would like to hear I don't know you stumped me man I stumped you? Yeah Let's listen to No Queen by Pocket Dial here on the Bobcast
back here on the bobcast with mickey the true bobcast so you know we get to the scene where velcro goes to the kid's house aspen's house dude and this is the true detective moment where i'm just like holy shit man yeah aspen really got uh he's like why don't you bring your kid out here i want to ask him a few questions we could do it without the missuses yeah and he played as a cop you know that the kid was stealing stuff like legit but once he showed up, that dad got just... Uh, Love it. He's like, go get him. He turns around. He puts on the brass knuckles. And I'm like, holy shit. At first, I think he's going to beat the kid. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Kid comes out. He says, you like being a bully? You like picking on people? Ass pen. And the father says, whoa, whoa, what's all this about? And boom, and clocks him. Clocks him with the brass knuckles. Yeah, could you imagine getting struck with brass knuckles? Oh, God, it's got to be terrible. So he gets struck. The kid tries to run inside. Colin Farrell grabs the kid, and he's like, "You know, your father." What's he saying? Like, your father's Don't you doing like this, this. Isn't what you want? Yeah, your, your father's, father's doing, doing this for you. you. <laughs> and then he just starts pummeling him and just beating him. He's like, and I thought like, you liked kid this. Looking. And uh, at, at this point, I realized that um, Colin Farrell's character has become the anti-hero of the show. He's a bad guy, but you're kind of rooting for him in a way because, yeah. I, as a school teacher, I know bullying is one of the worst things that could ever happen to your son or daughter. And, um, you know what I mean? Like, Velcro, he just goes there and just takes control of the whole situation. <laughs> Command attention. Call me Sarge. Yeah, he pummels this guy. And, pummels like, him. the wife comes out, like, just shocked, doesn't know what's going on. I mean, that family's life has changed forever. He, like, saunters off into the night. You know, I doubt he has remorse, but he's, like, doing what he thinks is right for his kid. And it's just not even his kid and who made the kid and this and that. And he's a lost, broken, broken man. So... He gets in the car, and I'm thinking to myself, like, how does this guy get away with everything? Didn't they have a make and model on the car? Didn't they know? Like, everything? Well, he welcomes judgment, and, uh, you he know... welcomes judgment, and he doesn't care about nothing. The mob has his back, you know, and uh, anything that happens, he could probably have fixed. Pretty much, and it, lo- it also seems like the, the police department's behind him completely. They want him on the case to make sure that their Vinci, Vinci name isn't tarnished. Then we go back to our man Paul, and Paul's like, look, I got to go out. I got to go for a ride on the bike, right? Wait, wait, wait. Um, Did we miss one part? 
we didn't talk about Paul with his girl, did we? We did. We did previously. But his girl is a missing person that you... Apparently. Yeah. Like, you, you, you mentioned that to me, and there's a part in there with Bizridis, whatever her name is, and she claims that Paul's girl is missing, which is something else that will play out. But the part for me, though, is when he jumps on the bike, man, and he's uh, he's going 100 miles per hour. He starts tearing through the Pacific Coast Highway with reckless abandon, and by chance, I mean... Let's talk about the fact that they turn off the lights. Oh, cut the lights, close the dough. Love that. And it got really scary. I was just telling you the other night, I used to do that in October, mm-hmm. driving down your old uh, neighborhood road mm-hmm. when the Michael Myers theme song would come on and scare my car passengers because it was so dark and uh, Love it. scary. Love it. So yeah, he, he pulls off to the side of the road and who's sitting there on the bench but our good old friend Casper. The dead ghost. And, you know, this is where season one started. With the reveal of the body. So they're ending the first episode with the reveal instead of revealing the body at the beginning of the episode, which I think is great. When you think they're going to go right, you got to go left. That's the only way to be true. It is true. Um, you know, And then all the characters come together. We have Annie's character coming together with Paul, and then the, the police department calls upon Ray, who's with Frank at a bar, and that scene's awesome. The close-up oh. shots of the cigarette smoke coming out and the girl singing that song, This Is My This Le- Is My Least Favorite Life. <laughs> it's really, really dark. and uh, It's so dark. I mean, I, 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 the first season was one of the darkest things I've ever seen, and no one had a problem with it then. But now they're calling it out for being too dark and too grim and too... Give me a break. That's what yeah, we that's like. That's what we want. Yeah. Uh, so the scene that I love too, they're drinking the uh, the Johnny Walker Blue Label, the best, and uh, Colin's, Colin's slamming it, and uh, Frank says to you're him, "You're supposed to savor that." And he's like, "Oh yeah, let me try it again." <laughs> and then he slams another dude, and I was like, "Oh my god!" So yeah, he did all the uh, the work for him to get that writer uh, out of the equation, so that way the town of Vinci is uh, protected, and all the these people are taking care of things, and it just it just gets good, man. Like I'm just like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's all so coming legit. together. And he's so drunk, man. He's slamming. He's the... doing coke, too. Yeah, he, right there he He's pumping right? yeah, something. He's, he's like, something. And, and uh, Vince Vaughn's character just kind of looks at him like. Yeah, like, but he cares about him. He cares about him. And he puts his hand on his shoulder and he's like, you know, I'll see you around. Yeah. And That's then like a backhand. I love how his, uh, Frank's uh, side guy tries to, he takes the paperwork, but then he tries to take the blue label. And Colin Farrell grabs that bottle. Ferocious. Colin Farrell's eyes in this yeah, 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 are yeah. so good. In the beginning of the episode, when uh, he tries to uh, tempt the lawyer to uh, cover his case, he throws her a couple thousand dollars, and she's like, "I can't accept that." And he looks at her with that same look, and he's like, "What? You like paying taxes?" I was like, "Dude, this guy is he's, he's it. I it's love it. it. Yeah, you it know? is it. It's totally it. Yeah. It's, uh, so to anyone who doesn't think it's it, it's just wrong. So then you know that. the CID, they everyone gets together. Velcro's character comes to the the scene of the crime. And we're left at a crossroads where three of our main characters are meeting for the first time. And the pullback shot is beautiful. It's got like... Beautiful shot. The ocean, the illuminated crime scene, the city in the back. It's just really mysterious. And there's a lot going on. It's great. I was set. And I'm set for summer. You know? True Detective is back. That's... That's the other thing. Sorry. Uh, It's a different season. We're not getting True Detective in the middle of winter like we did last time. Mm-hmm. Like maybe no, it was summer. Oh no, yeah, it was, maybe it was in March. We, you're right. Maybe yeah. no, it was in January. Yeah, but it ended in March, I believe. January, February, March. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe um, you know, at, 
first season played a lot with duality and mirrors and twos. This season, I think we're in for a lot of uh, threes, triangles, and like uh, a lot of crossovers. So everyone's intertwined. I just see it as like a zirconian masterpiece. I think it's going to be great. Well, whatever it is, we're hooked and we're with you all summer long here on the True Bobcast. Uh, check us out. Uh, we're going to be posting this uh, episode before uh, this Saturday at the King of Prussia Mall. Tell everybody what's going down, Chick. Live at Uncanny KOP, formerly known as Comics and More, at the plaza of the King of Prussia Mall, Pocket Dial performs for the Terminator Genesis Launch Party. That's right. An all-ages event, 1 to 3 p.m. Uncanny KOP come up. You'll get some Terminator swag. You'll hear a Pocket Dial set. Get a chance to chat with your favorite Terminator character. Yeah, bring your friends, family, kids, cousin. If you're a babysitter, bring them too. It's gonna be fun for the whole family. And like, uh, like you said, I hear there might be some special guests coming back from the future to uh, maybe protect you. And uh, that's gonna wrap up today's True Bobcast episode. Uh, I'd like to thank Mick for coming up here for the practice session today, as well as the True True Bobcast. We'll see you guys again next week. Kiss holds a million deceits and a